0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Rob Manish Show on Red Voice Media Network, where you're going to get the facts and the truth, and it's More War Monday. And yes, siree, the biggest threat to the USA is Communist China. And, of course, the Ukraine offensive continues with reported mixed results as a Russian heavy counteroffensive operation has begun in all those contested areas that they started last week. Ukraine has tried to now distance itself from the so-called Russian volunteer forces that have uh, been attacking the area around uh, Belgorod, but the facts reveal that as a lie. And uh, sadly, the U.S. Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, has openly refused in public to consider a ceasefire in the last few days, wanting to continue this war indefinitely. This position is very dangerous, and today's show will focus on the real threat to the United States, Communist China, and why that position on Ukraine is very dangerous. Things continue to heat up in the Indo-Pacific area of responsibility, and we are speaking with an expert on that potential conflict today. Uh, last week, we discussed the U.S. RC-135 Rivet Joint surveillance aircraft being dangerously intercepted by Chinese Air Force fighters. Uh, and now we've got the video of the dangerous maneuvering on the high seas in the Taiwan Strait against U.S. and allied ships by the People's Liberation Navy of the Communist Chinese. Uh, So uh, let's take a look at that clip before we bring our guest in, and then we'll introduce Colonel Mills. The ship on the left is the uh, People's Liberation Navy, or PLN and the one in the center that's not maneuvering is the u.s warship and again this is in the straits of taiwan and what you just saw there's an extremely dangerous maneuver they were within less than 150 yards of each other and that type of activity could be considered an act of war if it goes too far well that will introduce our guest today it's a retired colonel john mills a former senior Uh, Department of Defense, civilian official, also an author of The Nation Will Follow, uh, a new book. And I'm proud to say I'm an affiliate of that. And you can use promo code MANUS if you go buy that book, uh, Nation Will Follow. John, welcome back to The Rob Manus Show, sir.
1: Hey, Rob, always an honor to be on your show. Thank you.
0: Well, we've seen a lot of activity going on uh, over in Asia uh, in the uh, Philippine Sea, the South China Sea, uh, the Straits of Taiwan, over the sky, in the skies and in international airspace, and and I would I would like to say that all these waters are considered international waters if I if I understand the law correctly, aren't they, John? Uh,
1: okay, technically, I mean I'd have to. Uh... I'd have to review the Law of the Seas and the passage of waters because there's very, very exact definitions. Uh, But uh, uh, the simple answer is the Straits are if you are transiting. Now, if you were staying there and conducting uh, militant activities or training or provocative. I think one of the key terms out of the law of the, the law of the seas is provocative. Uh, that's different. That's a different thing. But let's just say, uh, that that is free transit under the law of the seas, which the United States has not signed and we should not sign anyway, but we followed. Um, yeah, transiting is okay. So the provocative act was what the Chinese were doing, doing, um, and, and, uh, So that was one of our Arleigh Burke destroyers, about 10,000 tons. Uh, One of the Navy's problems is that's about the only ship they have. We used to have a a variety of ships. Now there's only one answer. They only have one airplane, the F-18, and one ship, the Arleigh Burke. That's it. I mean, they got to get some diversity. We got the Constellation class frigates. We got to go into overdrive, find a second yard to start churning those out. That's because it would be better to send in a number of smaller ships. That have some combat power. The littoral combat ship just doesn't have a whole lot to it. But yeah, that was very provocative. That was very dangerous. That their action violates the law of the seas. And uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is getting very serious. You, you got to call this the yeah. fourth uh, st- uh, fourth crisis in the Straits. The first one, 1952. The second one, 1958, where we smoked them uh, during the 90s, during the Clinton years, and now the current times. Uh, they are really challenging uh, uh, international norms of behavior, and we've got to. Uh, we've got yeah. There's there's a, a news flash out that the the our the U.S. Embassy we we call it the, Inst, uh, the AIT the American Institute in Taiwan uh, is 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 has asked for U.S. citizens to be evacuated. I'm going to have to double check that. I think that's that would be premature, and I'm not totally sure that's correct. I just got a yeah. news. I got, I got from a significant person asking about that uh, just as we were coming on the air. Um, but, uh, we got to get ready, uh, there's 200 plus trainers on the ground. It's unclear the first of the M one tanks, which are going to be our ferocious deterrent. And, uh, the lay of the land is there's a, there's a thin coastal strip about 20 to 30 miles wide on the on the west side facing China. Uh, and the whole defensive concept of operation is bloody the Chinese as much as possible on the beaches or on the immediate approaches. Yeah. As soon as they start start approaching the beaches, that's where the uh, Taiwanese can unleash a volley of long-range missiles to hitch sh- the, the the follow-on ships back in, and start decimating the ports, the Chinese ports, uh, but to fall back into the hills and then uh, counterattack on the beaches.
0: Well, the, these... Uh... These dangerous activities, these provocative acts uh, uh, that we talk about, uh, uh, they're, they get all the headlines and everything. But what are what are the indicators that people should be looking for that are are not uh, sensational? Uh, because I know you and I've talked about it before, the a few times that you've been on the show where we've been focused on Taiwan, that there are certain things to watch for that would be real potential indicators that there is strategic movement uh, on the Chinese Communist Party's part uh, to, to really get after uh, reunification, uh, as opposed to, uh, to what we're seeing right now, which is a lot of posturing, prov- provocation. Uh, and I've got several more clips where we'll show examples of that, uh, both uh, militarily and, and you know, through speech and those kind of things during the show, but 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 uh, what do you look at uh, from your perspective, hardware wise and movement wise, uh, to give you the tip off, what are you looking
1: for? Okay, well, one of the great indicators, and because of the, the, the large availability of commercial imagery that back in the day, uh, you know, that was considered super duper double top secret, which is now available to anyone, Um, is the uh, any kind of amassing or gathering of any kind of merchant or transport vessels. And uh, and the better ports for China are actually not directly across from Taiwan. They're to the north towards Shanghai. They're in the south toward uh, uh, Hong Kong. Uh, But when you start seeing gatherings and so we need to sign a homework project, everybody is, hey, watch any gathering. Once you start to see an unusual gathering of merchant and transport vessels uh, at these uh, at these uh, uh, piers and especially container ports that are suddenly void of any containers and now have a lot of rolling stock. Uh, that's a good indicator, uh, so uh, people should watch for that. And I'm sure uh, there's even people watching this who uh, uh, can crowds uh, uh, that can crowdsource this and watch those ports. Um, mm-hmm. Now, an- another thing I think we should really, really keep an eye on is the Panama Canal, the Suez Canal, and then a domestic cyber blitz, which has already taken place with Typhoon Volt in Guam. Uh, they were clearly inside of our sensitive networks in Guam. Uh, but watch what's going on, because if they if they one of the uh, as I postulated, uh, if they if they shut down the Panama Canal, which they in many ways effectively control with uh, the number of Chinese companies in Panama, uh, that would take half the U.S. Navy off the table. Uh, if yeah. they if they if they shut down the Suez, that would absolutely asphyxiate uh, and choke uh, Europe. Which needs the oil from the Middle East, needs the oil. and and let's face it, I mean, we're in a lot better position than Europe. If China wants us to cut us off cut us off from uh, cheap stuff sold in Walmart, okay,, uh, we'll get over it. Um sure. there is no alternative. There is no alternative in Europe. So all this basic consumer product, China just shuts down the Suez or or says, hey, egypt, uh, we'll we'll spot you ten billion if you uh, shut down the Suez for a year it would absolutely devastate, uh, uh, devastate Europe. So watch this, watch Panama, watch Suez. They've already begun the cyber blitz, uh, in Guam, but they're going to look at our, our power plants. They're going to play with our power plants. They're going to play with our, uh, ports and they're going to play with our plants or our industrial base.
0: What about their interaction with, uh, not necessarily our allies, uh, but, uh, through the Belt and Road Initiative, they've really co-opted a number of, uh, uh, of uh, countries that, that we once probably considered friends, like the Solomon Islands uh, in uh, in the Pacific, which uh, can can have pretty strategic importance, as we know, based on World War II history from a military and a logistics perspective. Uh, uh, what type of interactions would would we might see towards those types of folks that have been co opted co opted through the Belt and Road Initiative uh, uh, as uh, as they uh, generate up to a war level status
1: yeah the belt and road is essentially a payday extortion program where uh the chinese will give a poor pathetic country a great deal uh but it's a uh uh, within a year, if they don't make payments, uh, the Chinese have the right to seize everything, and that's exorbitant, and uh, you know, they have a balloon payment program that goes up extraordinarily after a short period of time, and they'll, they'll actually play with the translation, and uh, in, in the law, uh, the Chinese translation will be the legal document. So these poor countries who have very weak linguistic capabilities for translation are just getting just getting shellacked by uh, poorly translated documents. Uh, but there's that. Um, but also, this this administration has been has become the most feckless administration ever in post World War II history, between uh, Biden, uh, the National Security Advisor Sullivan, Secretary yeah. of State Blinken. And Secretary of Defense Austin, the most hapless, ineffective, and they've driven wealthy partners away from us, like Saudi Arabia, like uh, United Arab Emirates, like uh, they've given the cold shoulder to Israel. Um, You know, they're just driving away. And then, and then uh, when Saudi Arabia says, you know what, we're just gonna, you know, guess what, we're just gonna sell oil to the uh, Chinese and yuan, and uh, you know, which 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 greatly undermines the dollar, of the reserve currency. And then they send Jake Sullivan and Blinken over there to pander and beg and plead. I mean, it's a pathetic. Uh, and, and these are the these are supposedly the smartest people in the room, all Belfer Center graduates at Harvard, and they look like absolute pandering, groveling idiots. In, this is this is everything they're doing is wrong when it comes to basic precepts of good international relationship building but yet they're supposed to be the smartest in the room
0: oh it's uh, <laughs> Feckless is not a good enough word, I don't think, <laughs> John. You know, it's uh, as I mentioned in my opening, uh, Blinken just within the last 72 hours, I think, openly told somebody, No, we don't want to cease fire in Ukraine. We're not going to support any type of that type of activity. Uh, uh, and, and it's my understanding that's that may be the second or third time. Uh, once was like shortly after the shooting started. Uh, where the u.s said no no we're not going to support any type of uh, ceasefire and that is directly uh, that has direct impact on uh, uh, on deterring China uh, it really does at this point uh, uh, because you know we hear a lot from US authorities about how we have to defeat help Ukraine defeat Russia to deter China uh, but I think it's the it's the opposite uh, every time these these uh, feckless, weenies open their mouth, and that's a technical term, folks, uh, for people like Antonin Blinken uh, and Joe Biden when it comes to uh, national security strategy and, and the subject of deterrence, uh, uh, they weaken our deterrence of China, not just deterring them from forcefully reunifying Taiwan, but also from, uh, from their attempt to become a global hegemon and remove the United States as the leading uh, a force for really for good to use a Navy uh, slogan uh, around the world uh, because we have weakened ourselves so much and, uh, and our internal politics is uh, extremely gone haywire. Well, John, we've got to take our first break. Uh, uh, folks, uh, I'm Rob Maness on The Rob Maness Show, Red Voice Media Network. We are talking about the real threat to the United States, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and we'll be right back to continue that conversation. Do
2: you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again these same strategies have saved over 500 million dollars in back taxes permanently resolving tax debts for good stop collections and get relief today before it's too late we love the internet but the internet is tracking everything you do take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere, watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi Fi, while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish.
0: Welcome back to The Rob Mana Show, live on the Red Voice Media Network, folks, and we are live uh, here Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern for one hour, uh, and Mondays is themed More War Mondays because there's so much threat of war, actual war, and the United States uh, inappropriately involved in much of it uh, and not doing the right things to prevent a lot of it, uh, especially against our greatest threat, which is the Communist Chinese Party of China. Uh, and that's what we're discussing today. Uh, just go, go ahead and play that uh, next clip. Uh, it's been taken uh, out of the news about four or five hours ago, so it's very recent uh, about aircraft around Taiwan today before we bring our guests back in.
3: Taiwan reported 24 Chinese military aircraft and five warships operating around the country in a span of 24 hours on Monday. Among the group of planes, 10 fighter jets were spotted breaching Taiwan's Air Defense Identification Zone, or ADIZ. This space is not part of Taiwan's territory, but the military uses it for defensive purposes. Taiwan says it's responding to the situation.
0: And we're talking to a senior, uh, former senior DOD defense official uh, and retired U.S. Army Colonel John Mills today, a friend of The Rob Mana Show. Uh, and uh, he is really an expert uh, on the Chinese Communist Party's and armed forces uh, uh, strategies and uh, and has been watching the situation in Taiwan quite closely uh, for a while now. And so I wanted to get him to come on to talk about, I mean, that was just four or five hours ago, John. And uh, uh, we're seeing these, this type of activity uh, almost daily uh, with uh, PLA aircraft, People's Liberation Army aircraft incurring onto uh, Taiwanese airspace uh, uh, across the straits of Taiwan in large numbers. Uh, what are they up to with that?
1: Well, I mean, they are testing and probing for weak spots. Obviously, you you'd be very familiar uh, with this. I mean, that's what they're trying to identify gaps and seams. They're trying to get the electronic order of battle down, the signals intelligence order of battle down. They're trying to understand uh, the uh, the the Taiwanese have a fairly strong air defense missile battery system. I think they might even have some of the old Nike's. In service but they've greatly upgraded them uh, Those also have a dual uh, ground-to-ground capability um, but uh, they have lots of Patriots they have lots of homegrown missiles they're looking they're trying to understand the gaps in coverage um, mm-hmm. now that that graphic that the, the news showed I don't know how exactly accurate I haven't checked the flight tracks or anything like that that showed sh- some of the activity to the north which is a little unusual because much of the air activity has been centered on the south But uh, in in April, uh, late April and early May, we essentially used uh, Balakatan 23 as a pretext for essentially uh, occupying our initial four new base camps in the Philippines. That's to the south. It's about 100 miles south of Taiwan. But that starts to give us an uh, excellent, excellent – because the the south shoulder, which is where they've been probing, was the weak shoulder of Taiwan. Because to mm. the north, you have Okinawa. You have uh, Ishigaka right behind uh, – that's all Japanese territory. The Japanese have a very strong air force, and uh, so do the Americans on, uh, uh, um, on K- Kadena, on Okinawa. So, uh, So, yeah, they're definitely testing – um, you know, the whole thing is to not let your aircraft get caught on the ground. You have to be able, as you know, Rob, um, um, you have to, you have to practice your alerts and you have to have a situation. Um, I'm just going to leave it at this. The, uh, the Taiwan airfields are very well bunkered. Okay. That's, that's good. They spent a lot of time and resources on bunkering, uh, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the, you know, the height of the cold war Europe, I mean, you, you couldn't, you know, throw a rock without hitting a bunkered facility to hide our aircraft yeah. in. We spent a lot of money and resources on that and then walked away. Um, so the Taiwanese airfields are very well built. They have great dispersal plans. Um, you know, it looks ominous, but, you know, we got to remember that Chinese have never been tested in combat. This is, this is, uh, they're trying to get their feet wet, but it's just not the same as getting shot at. Um, and, 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 and as you know, when you when you really stress an airframe and puts lots of flight hours on it, yep. things break. And and you and you so you surge those aircraft. You got it's It's all about the ability to generate sorties in those ground crews. You know, your left and right turn signals go out on an aircraft and your aircraft is grounded. It's as simple as that. So you got to take care. There's lots of things that break on an aircraft. I didn't get a chuckle from you on that left or right turn <laughs> signal thing, so you missed that.
0: <laughs> I didn't miss it. So, uh, I was just waiting okay. for my retort. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, so, uh, I. Th- you know, John. Th- I think things, you know. You mentioned break. that. I, things break. Yeah. I think. I think the the Russians uh, and it's a specific type of warfare that they were after at the beginning of the Ukraine war, uh, which is uh, modeled on uh, the U.S. Western style, especially the air air war plan uh, and combined arm plan that goes along with it Uh, uh, from a modern warfare perspective. uh, 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 You know, when you look at our major operations like Desert Storm, uh, the initial parts of Iraqi freedom, the initial parts of, of uh, enduring freedom in in Afghanistan, uh, we really have perfected that uh, ability to, uh, take an objective rapidly and and hold it uh, at least at the initial point before we get bogged down as a mission creep and building nations in our own image which is ridiculous anyway but up to that point we have we have perfected that and I think the Russians thought that they were they had uh, figured it out uh, and realized uh, too late that they really hadn't figured it out uh, uh, and the Chinese probably looking at that and learning some lessons for it aren't they from it aren't they
1: Well, this is going to be very interesting, and this gets into your domain, Rob, is um, uh, the Russians, it was a disaster for their air force. Their air force, after the initial first 72 hours, was essentially has been a non-player in the rest of the conflict. And one of the things they did, which the Russians did, which was surprising, was they followed old school Soviet rigid air tactics where the pilot of an aircraft is not really the pilot of an aircraft. They do exactly what they are told to do, have no authority to deviate from their guidance or instructions. Things change. You have to give that pilot flexibility and, uh, even if it meant, uh, you were running your aircraft right into a trap, you had to do that. If it, you know, that was the only target you had no flexibility to divert to a secondary tertiary or a pop-up target. And yeah. so the Russian air force was, it, it did not work out well. And and the Russian air force has essentially been, I know we have Russia cheerleaders and things like that. The Russian air force has been uh, not as this was not their finest hour for the last year and a half at all. If the Chinese, and I'm just wondering, and i Think the Chinese in the end are gonna follow the same tactics, they are gonna lose a lot of aircraft in the initial 72 hours. It looks it looks scary, but once they start running into flak, once they start running into surface air missiles, uh the PLA uh, AF is gonna lose a lot of aircraft, and I think it's gonna shock them because they're gonna follow these rigid, I just don't see it. I don't see The innovation, because it's not in their DNA to uh, delegate to their pilots, their air crews, their air commanders, flexibility, innovation, and initiative. I just don't see it yet. I'm not seeing that, and that would be a shocking change for the the PLAF to say, hey, you uh, pilots, I want you to demonstrate initiative and innovation, and you, I know we're going to give you instructions, but if you see something better, you go for it. I don't. Th- yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, and and they're going to run their aircraft right into uh, right into uh, flak, right into uh, surface-to-air missile uh, uh, engagement zones, and they're going to lose a lot of aircraft. It was uh, in the, the second Taiwan, uh, second Straits crisis of 1958, forgotten part of Cold War history. There was actually a lot of Americans directly flying American aircraft that were engaged in the air combat. We also. That was the initial use of the Sidewinder, the very cheap, inexpensive, simple, first-generation, maybe second-generation air-to-air missile, the Sidewinder. Uh, it actually, after they, uh, the, the Chinese lost like 10, 12, 13, 14 aircraft in a row, they immediately uh, uh, backed off because they just uh, it, it, they, they didn't know how to deal with it. And, uh now, one of the sidewinders did stick into one of the, uh, didn't explode, uh, uh, ended, I, I can't remember if it was a MiG-17, MiG-19, it uh, mm-hmm. flew back to base. They reversed engineered it as the, uh, what is it, the A-2 Atoll was their yep, the uh, Atoll. missile. Yep. And that, that's, yeah, that's how they got the sidewinder because it stuck in the rear end of one of the Chinese airplanes, didn't explode. But, uh, um, but you know, overall it, it 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 really, the the Chinese turned around ran after they lost a number of aircraft. Uh, and they they just couldn't uh, they couldn't come back at us. And I'm I, I mean, I don't want to try to be Nostradamus to predict the future, but I just don't see the Chinese delegating independence uh, uh, and to their to their air forces to to do the best thing. And that's where you know our pilots are so much better trained uh, yeah. and uh, it, in, in both tactics, techniques, procedures, but oper, uh, operational employment. Of the of the air air package and the and the air the air force uh, commander the air, air air component commander,
0: yeah we'll see if they've uh, learned any lessons uh, from the Russians uh, it, because you know I mean the Russian air force has turned itself around uh, they pretty much have air dominance for the most part uh, when they where when and where they want it over the Ukraine battlefield at this point uh, and and they've modified their old. Uh, uh, what they call F-A-F-E bomb, FAB bombs, which is, you know, the conventional uh, bombs to take TPS guidance and laser guidance and those kinds of things. Now, uh, just within the last two or three weeks, they've started striking targets using that, uh, which means that they can work with, with ground forces uh, uh, m- much more effectively. So uh, that tells me that that's, they're, that's, they're, that's, that's, they're learning that's lessons. News to me. Yeah, they're learning lessons. That's, but That's news but, to me. But from the air-to-air perspective, I think, is where uh, uh, they really haven't been challenged uh, air-to-air because, I mean, the Ukrainian Air Force uh, uh, pretty much was neutered uh, fairly quickly in the current combat. Uh, uh, And and that's, that's uh, that's a different thing. I don't know that they've got enough data to learn any lessons from that. Uh, uh, because Ukraine Air Force was a Soviet Air Force it wasn't really a western style uh, NATO full-up NATO tactical uh, and strategic air force like they would face if they came across if they came across the line into a NATO country and tried to attack it uh, uh, you would see uh, a U.S style and NATO style uh, air-to-air and ground to-air tactics and strategy uh, that would decimate. Uh, the, the old Soviet Air Force and I think that's why they never they never really attacked us because they knew that uh, and today it's even worse uh, so the Chinese they may think they've got it you know because they they built the amramski uh, you know the Russians did and I'm sure the Chinese have their version of the amram uh, too and uh, uh, people get to thinking they can rely on that technology even we do uh, but nobody's as good at as the United States and, and U.S. trained NATO aviators uh, and command and control platform and, and intelligence surveillance reconnaissance platforms is tying all that together uh, and being able to just decimate an air force, uh, I just don't think uh, I don't think any of them realize what the hell's coming if they try that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I, I was not aware of, you know, the tactical use of lazing, you know, which implies forward tactical uh, air control teams, which we're very good at integrating the tactical air control parties from the Air mm-hmm. Force into Army and, and Marine yeah. ground units. Um, so we're very good and experienced at that. I, I've, uh, that's, that's news because they've been for most of the 18 months absent over the skies of the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, the, the, the Ukrainians never really had a whole lot of fast movers, uh, the MiG-29s. They only had uh, several dozen. Uh, actually, very few of those were actually destroyed, uh, and they've effectively used those uh, any time. So if the if the Russians are now uh, demonstrating integration and combined tactics and forward air control parties, that's new news, and that, that is showing us uh, some, some uh, lessons learned. Um, yeah. I just don't. Uh, so the Chinese are not going to uh, I just don't see them uh, understanding the whole concept of forward uh, tactical air control parties. And uh, um, uh, and I don't see them getting a whole lot of chance to use that on Taiwan. That would mean that they'd have to be uh, parachute in with the first elements, which is going to be total chaos. So I don't think <laughs> they're going to have time to get their laser laser lasering devices out or even get the uh, frequencies right on their uh, tactical yeah. air control radios, much less, uh, provide coordinates, uh, data, data link to data link on, uh, for any, 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 uh, GPS guided bombs, which our air control parties can do. So, uh, uh it is going to be chaos. And I just don't see, uh, um, uh, once the shooting starts now, um, we we gotta uh, on the on the flip side we gotta uh, you know I don't know what I don't know about how much ammunition we've moved forward. Yeah. There have been requests to move move ammunition forward, and I just checked. Um, I, I just I just checked. Uh, State Department has not put out uh, a evacuation of American citizens. Uh, what they have okay. there has been a. Uh, they're they're they are Im- updating uh, what you would what what you you'd be quite familiar with this, but our non combatant evacuation or plans of yeah. concepts, which they should be updating them anyway. Uh, so they're updating the plans. Yeah. That doesn't mean we've given a, a guidance to evacuate, uh, but I, I I think we have to. Uh, and you and I have talked about about this for years. Uh, is our recommendation, and it's it's been in the House report, uh, the House. Uh, uh, China subcommittee mm-hmm. report is uh, massively increased stockages of ammunition in yeah. Taiwan. It was also in the national defense authorization act, essentially a world war two lenly style program. Cause we need it's ammunition, ammunition, ammunition. Got to get that yeah. forward.
0: That's right, John. And if there's been movement in that, maybe that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. We'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll talk about what the, uh, defense leadership and, and diplomatic leadership and from the Chinese communist party are saying a little bit uh, in the next segment, uh, Uh, And we'll pay some bills right now. I'm Rob Manus on The Rob Manus Show Live at Red Voice Media Network. We're talking uh, the coming potential war with China, especially over Taiwan with Colonel John Mills. We'll be right back.
2: Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back.
0: Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show. We're here live on Red Voice Media Network. We're talking the potential impending war with the Communist Chinese Party. And uh, this go, go ahead and play the clip of the Chinese Minister of Defense before we bring Colonel Mills back in.
4: China has one of the best peace records among major countries. China stays committed to the path of peaceful development, but we will never hesitate to defend our legitimate rights and interests, let alone sacrificing the nation's core interests. As the lyrics of our well-known Chinese song go, when friends visit us, we welcome them with fine wine. When jackals or wolves come, We will face them with shotguns. This illustrates the Chinese people's character of being friendly and kind, but not intimidated by strong power. With that, I want to underline China's position on the following issues. On the Taiwan question, it is the core of China's core interests. Taiwan is an internal affair of China, which is a primary and indisputable fact. Taiwan is China's Taiwan, and how to resolve the Taiwan question is a matter for the Chinese to decide. It brings no interference from foreign forces. As a matter of fact, over 180 countries entered into diplomatic ties with China with the political commitment of abiding by the one-China principle. The Wong-China principle has become a universally recognized basic norm governing international relations. It is written in black and white in the Cairo Declaration and the post Proclamation that Taiwan shall be restored to China as part of the post-World War II international order. Both the mainland Taiwan belong to one and the same China. This is an indisputable thing.
0: And we're talking with uh, former senior DOD defense official and retired U.S. Army Colonel John Mills. Uh, John, before the break, we were discussing noncombatant evacuation operations plans or uh, neo-ops plans being uh, uh, dusted off, so to speak, to use a vernacular uh, that uh, we've used in the Air Force before, Uh, but but the, the big indicator there by hearing about that reporting is that Uh, you know, uh, uh, especially like in the Cold War, if if we thought something was going to happen in a country from a combat perspective, uh, we got indications and warnings uh, through our intelligence service that would tell us that one of the steps uh, after you got those indications and warnings was, okay, everybody review your NEO plan uh, and make sure it's up to date. Uh, So that's a pretty big deal from my perspective as somebody that's that knows how that stuff works uh that's a big indicator and uh what that chinese defense manager just said which is not that long ago uh is uh is very straightforward
1: uh except for the part about the well-known chinese song i don't know what general lee was talking about (laughs) i've never heard that song before so you know and he's also i wouldn't know it at all because
0: i don't speak chinese
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he also read, well, well, this is they want to make it like everybody in the world knows that Chinese song. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard it. Uh, and they also, uh, you know, General Lee acts like he's some kind of history professor like uh, Obama, some kind of constitutional scholar goes at the Potsdam conference. Hmm. Communist China didn't even exist at the time of the Potsdam conference. And i uh, if he's going to play that game, I think I'm going to go look look back at the text of the Potsdam its issuance. I think it probably said something more like uh, China would uh, nationalist China would be restored. Uh, so, uh, you know, the guy's trying to be clever, you know, kind of like uh, Norm Eisen, the absolute jerk, who's, uh, you know, using executive, the executive order from 2009, which uh, is a lie, uh, that you know, it's like Eisen's going like, in 2009, I knew what Trump was going to do in 2023, a total absolute <laughs> idiot. In fact, I got that, I got that, because actually, I, was, I had just left the Obama White House, and I had the actual executive order that Eisen's talking about. I actually think it actually reinforces Trump's case. So uh, Eisen better actually read his own executive order. But Back to Taiwan. <laughs> um, yeah, Lee, uh, that is pure. Uh, I'll never forget the time I was in Singapore, uh, and uh, uh, there was this uh, Chinese speaker. It was at the big international cyber conference every October. It's coming up again. I might be going to it. Um, but the uh, um, the Chinese speaker was just absolutely berserk over the top, and I turned to my CIA colleague next to me and said, what was that all about? She goes, oh. Well that 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 lady was not speaking to us she was speaking that was for uh that she was speaking to her raters and graders uh in Beijing so that that speech had nothing to do with us sitting in the room right in front of her she was being rated and uh Lee was a little uh little more subdued than that uh, that crazy woman we saw in uh, that crazy chinese communist we saw in uh, Singapore but uh yeah they're 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 trying to play the sophisticated game like uh Oh, everybody in the world knows that Chinese song, and oh, everybody knows that Taiwan belongs to uh, China. Actually, it's not true. Even Chiang Kai-shek pretty much ignored uh, uh, it had been under Japanese rule uh, uh, for you know, geez, what is it, almost a hundred years before uh, <laughs> before. So uh, uh, it's it's utter silliness. There is no legal claim uh, of of uh, China, and this one China thing. I wish people would stop saying this "one China" thing because nobody even knows what that they're talking about anymore. You got the the robots over at State Department, uh, you know, or of Secretary of Defense for policy, or the Belfort Center at Harvard, say, "Yeah, there's a one China policy." Really? What does that mean? Where, where did that no come idea. from?
0: Where, where does that come
1: from? <laughs> well, that was no, that's really uh, that's really part of the uh, oh, there was a communique during the Reagan era, the Five Agreements, or something like that, or the Five. Uh, the the five caveats or the five speed bumps or the five asterisks I can't remember but it was but it was such was something as, hey we're not saying the time, that 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 cuz remember this was that actually was more directed at Chiang Kai-shek who, uh, mm-hmm. if people are old enough, they always remember the joke with Chiang Kai-shek was, uh, you know, every every speech was uh, was always ended with, uh, and we will liberate the mainland, and and that that language was meant, meant as much to keep Taiwan under control and Chiang Kai-shek under control from invading the mainland, because he was he was not uh, Chiang Kai-shek uh, was uh, was a little uh, was was both corrupt and out of control. But uh, um, so this one China thing in the year 2023, we we need to clarify what that means. And I always make it very clear. China, uh, there is only one China, and it's that big country to the left. I'm talking about the country of Taiwan. okay? so China, you're okay. You're that big, thuggish country over to the left. I'm talking about the country of Taiwan, which is separate, independent. Oh, my gosh, I said the word independent. You're not supposed to use the word independent. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, um, you know, this is it is a sovereign It is a sovereign nation. There is one China, and it ain't Taiwan.
0: Yeah, and they take it to great extremes. Uh, Just a little anecdote. I was in the international part of my Navy War College class. Yes, I'm an Air Force officer, but I went to the Navy War College. Uh, And We had a Taiwanese gentleman in there, but you were only allowed to call him by his first name. He couldn't wear a uniform. You couldn't use ranks. Uh, uh, and, And he was a great guy. Uh, uh, and gave us great teaching about the capabilities of the Taiwanese uh, armed forces and, 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 and the history of, behind all of that. Uh, uh, but you, Now, you've mentioned the Japanese uh, a couple of times uh, in these two segments, John, and this is now the third one. Uh, explain to folks uh, the, the national interests of Japan uh, historically uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan and that island chain that's uh, called the, what the inner island chain is that correct
1: well they're they're part of the first island chain but but uh, chain. Japanese Japanese sovereign territory with the Ryukos goes down to Ishigaka at the very, very 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 tail end which is like right behind Taiwan and it's a it's being armed and equipped with both Japanese and American forces uh you know we're citing in equipment setting in launch points except uh, 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 but there is a very as opposed to uh, as opposed to a number of other countries there's actually a very fond memory of the japanese presence in formosa uh which which now is called taiwan going back to the m- early mid 1800s a very close relationship you know admittedly there's not as much a fond re- memory of japan with a number of other asian countries right. but with taiwan taiwan there is and that's uh, on one of my last trips there uh, on one of the, uh, one of the cultural tours they give you as part of the bi process. Uh, I was brought to this one village that everything was Japanese. Uh, it was very Japanese looking. I was asked, and, and that's where I was really given a history lesson that I, I really didn't understand or know. So very close relationship with Japan. Japan considers essentially uh, not Taiwan is not part of, they are a separate sovereign nation and country, but there's very close relationship. And, oh, by the way, Japan needs those chips of the TSC, TSMC Corporation just like America needs those chips. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Japan is in a much closer situation to do something about this. And, again, Japan has a very well-developed, very strong Air Force and uh, Navy. They've now, uh, under new constitutional changes, have developed a Marine Corps-like force. Uh, mm-hmm. Parts of their army have now been trained essentially for assault from the sea or assault from the air, something which was kind of forbidden in earlier days. Um, but the Japanese are developing a very strong military, and what's really surprising is the close coordination of, uh, of Korea, South Korea, and Japan, which has been gone on with uh, oftentimes recently without any American suggestion or intercession. Um, well, that's, getting Japan that's really... That's... That's
0: really good news, John. I hadn't heard that about the Japanese defense forces becoming retooled to become more of a of a armed force uh, as opposed to the restricted uh, forces. Uh, folks, we're talking to retired uh, U.S. Army Colonel John Mills about the potential impending war with communist Chinese over Taiwan and amongst many other things. Uh, right now, when we come back, we'll take a look at why it's important from the uh, Russia, Ukraine, China, U.S., perspective uh, from a presidential candidate. And this one's not Donald Trump. uh, So we'll see you right back after the break.
2: It's a crazy world out there, and we're facing more uncertainty than our country has faced in a long time, if ever. And the most important advice that we can give you and your loved ones is be prepared. Most people don't realize they need something until it's too late, whether it's a natural disaster, a sustained power outage, political upheaval, or God forbid, war. You need to be prepared. Don't put yourself in that situation. Have food and water on hand to provide for you and your loved ones during the worst of times, and then pray you never need it thankfully we have just the solution for you heaven's harvest has everything you need to prepare for the unexpected you get prepared and you support a pro-america christian company that shares your values at the same time everyone wins and the best news is you also get discounts on emergency survival foods heirloom vegetable seed kits water filtration and storage kits and loads of other survival resources such as guides on how to grow and preserve your foods so Get ahead, be prepared, and survive with a company that shares your values. And we have you covered with great discounts. Go to heavensharvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10%. Again, that's heavensharvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10% on your order. You
3: give him Don Bash. you give him time, he regroups, he rearms, and then he goes after the rest of the country. So, a carrot and a stick, I think the number one thing they need to do is exit the treaty that they have with China, dating back to 2001. No more joint military exercises or otherwise. And if he reneges, then we go back on the things that we said we would agree to give him, which is, what we're saying is, no Ukraine admission to NATO. Freeze the current lines of control, that's a Korean War-style armistice agreement, But if Putin reneges on that, now we're talking about a maximum pressure campaign in terms of economic sanctions. Now we're talking about immediate admission of Ukraine to NATO, and that'll be worse off for him. And Putin has no incentive because right now he doesn't like being Xi Jinping's little brother in that relationship. So if we're actually... Reopening economic relations with Russia, if we're actually committing that Ukraine's never going to become part of NATO and freeze those lines of control, yes, those are major concessions, but it's in service of a bigger U.S. interest, and that is disrupting that partnership between Russia and China. If you combine them, you're talking about the largest nuclear stockpile in the world in Russia's hands, combined with China's economy and economic might, that's actually what fuels Xi Jinping's ability to be aggressive in Taiwan and beyond. That's the real risk that we face.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm retired Colonel Rob Maness here on the Red Voice Media Network, where you get the facts and the truth. And it's more War Mondays, and we're talking with retired U.S. Army Colonel and former senior DOD official John Mills, and I would say author, in uh, his book, The Nation Will Follow. Uh, go to thenationwillfollow.com. You can use promo code MANESS, M-A-N-E-S-S, Uh, and get a discount on that book. It's a great book. We've had John on and devoted a whole show uh, to that book. Uh, uh, And uh, it will amaze you uh, and give you information you need to know, especially about how to secure our elections. And you've got another book coming out, John?
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you, Rob. In the fall, uh, The War Against the Deep State, kind of book two. Uh, It'll be out from... uh, uh, Steve Bannon, Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, it really is about the foundations of the surveillance state, which uh, I helped develop. Uh, what could possibly go wrong here? 2007 to 2014 sounded like a great idea. It's been weaponized against the American people. So, uh, and more, more, uh, an updated information on how the average citizen can really take the war in a peaceful way to the deep state. So, because uh, there's well, a lot of good news and good success stories.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Ramaswamy there, the presidential candidate, uh, was talking, uh, uh, with the Fox news guys, uh, John Robertson, uh, about the real issue about the Ukraine war and the U.S.'s involvement here is that it's driven Russia closer to China. Uh, and I think he's got, he must have some really good policy guys, uh, working with him. I know he's a smart man. Uh, but, uh, uh, but he, he made some proposals there that are really well thought out to me. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that issue, the, that Russia and China coming closer together and how we can address that uh, if this Ukraine war can't get settled
1: diplomatically and stop the killing? Yeah, uh, Ramaswamy, uh, very, uh, very impressive. Uh, uh, he said a lot of things. I listened very closely to what he says because he really, uh, mm-hmm. either he's just totally smart himself or he has some good policy people because he says everything the correct way in that he also knows what he's talking about. It's just not hollow talking points. Somebody is handing him. So he's, he really, he really knows what he's talking about. Um, I would a couple of little caveats though. Um, he says the largest nuclear stockpile, which, you know, as we publicly know, know, the Russians probably had a larger stockpile than us. The treaties are now off. There are no treaties anymore, uh, on nuclear weapons. Uh, but, uh, we don't know, and using an intelligence community term, I have low confidence that we can trust our own intelligence community to do an effective count of what the Chinese have. They have expo- They have, no pun intended, exploded on what on their nuclear capabilities. Just like their 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 uh, navy expansion in the last three years, uh, last year of Trump and the first two years of Biden just came out of nowhere. Where was the Where was the uh, the experts in the uh, Uh, intelligence community and yeah the intelligence community always I always do my best to try and call balls and strikes fairly The the intelligence community got the Russian invasion down yes the Russians invaded
3: they They only
1: shouted for six they only shouted for six months before the invasions that the Russians are going to invade and but they what's often forgotten is they also said and it's going to be over in 72 hours the Russians are going to (laughs) cream the Ukrainians so they didn't get Yeah, to and at part, the same right. time,
0: they were supporting uh, I, the whole <laughs> Russia hoax thing here domestically, yeah. too. So why would yeah, anybody yeah. believe them?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so if you're sitting there with a megaphone shouting for six months that one country is going to invade a country, another country, maybe that country is going to eventually say, well, why not? The American intelligence says we're going to invade and that we're going to win in 72 hours. Let's just do it. You know, so, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so very— uh, low confidence in our own ic's ability to uh to get things totally straight uh and that uh we will have policy makers in place because the whole idea is the intelligence community reports and then the policymaker decides and then well obviously this is during the biden years and we had no adults in the room even though they promised only adults in the room and uh you know so they did nothing with the what what intelligence they were getting they didn't do anything other than say well, let's get some popcorn because the Russians are going to invade. And oh, uh, Zelensky, would you like to be evacuated? You know, wow, that's that's historic, heroic leadership. So, um, but yeah, I, my concern is actually the 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 the, Ch- the Chinese have as many nukes as uh, Russia does now, maybe even more. Uh, so I think it's a great to, their, their missile building and silo building frenzy. We've talked, we've we've heard about a a. Chinese silo building uh, frenzy for their big nukes, their big intercontinental nukes. But people forget, and just like the Russians, the Chinese have a lot of road mobile nukes. We don't have any of those. We've right. talked about them in several iterations. You know, even back to Kennedy, we we're going to put Minuteman on trains, never did it. But, uh, but uh, they have road mobile nukes. They could roll out, set up, and launch from a, from a large truck. That's really scary. They,
0: and they've just add, They've just finished adding a significant number of in-ground silos too. And if they had, you know, yeah. missiles with with multiple reentry uh, reentry vehicles mounted on those missiles, in, in that capability, you add that to the mobile perspective. That makes them much more dangerous than the so, even the Soviets were with their small mobile capability and and their large missiles at their height. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, we, we're in a dangerous time. And and I think Ramaswamy's uh, uh, idea is good. I'm not so sure that Russia would walk away from totally from, and renege on that treaty with China, though. I mean, that is, uh, no, uh, uh, you know, they really, truly are, I believe, afraid of NATO. That's, that's why uh, uh, and afraid of the Ukraine being a NATO country. Now, that being off the table uh, might get some positive things done, I think, is, uh, and it should be. NATO should never let Ukraine uh, be one of its member countries, in my opinion, because that is just a red line that uh, that the Russians have always said. If you cross it, uh, it's a totally different world than even the one we see now, which is uh, which is not good. We're not in a good situation in Eastern Europe uh, because of this conflict, uh, uh, you know. Well, so, they're— uh,
1: Yeah. After the Second World War, there was Austria, and one of the big debates, uh, since General Lee wanted to bring up the Potsdam Conference, like he's some historian, um, is uh, how Austria was handled after the Second World War, because in the end, Austria was considered essentially a neutral state that neither side would have influence over. Um, Now, things have changed in modern times, of course, but for many years, Austria was Neither Russian nor American, and uh, it it was it actually worked out pretty well. You know that's a model for Ukraine in many ways. Um, right now, the uh, and uh, but Ramaswamy, one thing I would also uh, I would tell him if I was one of his staffers, I would say, sir, is uh, um, it's not even close. Russia is by far the junior partner. They are a minstrel of China. They are totally dependent yeah. on China. Uh, for uh, their uh, uh, for for oil sales at gas and oil sales Uh, they are totally dependent so they would never walk away from from this because they need it they need China more than China needs Russia so um, but I'm I'm, uh, uh, China is very happy to see the West chew up resources in the Ukraine right now and we have our own again—the most incompetent, feckless. I didn't say that. Use the word hapless. I don't think <laughs> uh, between uh, Biden, Sullivan, Blinken, and Austin, and all of them are clearly in on the corruption and the big steal. I mean, they're—they're they're in. They're in on it. Uh, they're totally in on it. And Blinken. You know, as we know, he was the one shoving around the 51 Intel letters to and uh, that, that uh, the, the Hunter laptop was uh, fake. So, again, I try to call the balls and strikes fairly. That goes both ways. Blinken is clearly they're happy to let the war go on because it's a distraction to finding truth on the absolute fraud of Blinken pushing that letter of the Hunter Biden laptop of of their leveraging of uh, Ukraine for money laundering, which was Haiti on. Uh, perfected in the nineties by the Clintons in Haiti. Uh, and China is perfectly happy to watch us chew up resources, uh, in the Ukraine also. So it's a win for China. It's a win for the Biden team. Uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's horrible for the people of the Ukraine. And I, 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 well, John,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, uh, you're at Colonel Rhett John on getter, Substack and truth social, uh, and get the books folks. Uh, nation will follow, uh, promo code Venus. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow on uh, Training Tuesday. Guess what? We're talking Donald Trump and his court appearance for the indictment. Now over to Drew Berquist. And this is my show.